Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This 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 is views from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wright Sell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exhilarating edition of the Views from Midstream podcast. Glad to have you along. We are set to talk week two action as the Cats are on the road at the Meadowlands taking on the New York football Giants. We're going to get into the numbers, into the X's, into the O's, into the Jimmy's, and the Joe's coming up here in just a minute. But allow us once again to introduce ourselves. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, which airs weekdays in Greenville, South Carolina. And of course, joining me on the Views for Mint Street podcast, as always, my co-host Lonzo Reitzel is over in his big cat cave. Zo, big matchup in week number two. And, you know, we talked about preseason. I think both of us were gunning for preferably being on the right side of that 8-9-9-8 mark. But if we're going to get there after what happened last week in a heartbreaker against Cleveland, I think this week is going to be labeled a must win for Matt Rule at this point. Oh, absolutely a must win. And I know you and I are really excited about getting to week two. And it's been a long week waiting for it to get here. And it's here. So imagine what the players are feeling, especially after that second half. And they know how well they played in the second half and have that heartbreak where they should have won the game. Uh, Knowing what they're capable of and what they can do this week, they got to be looking forward to this game and uh, going up to New York, getting the job done. So we're going to talk about some of the X's and O's, some of the players that we think are going to be key pieces of a W on the road at the New York Giants. But I want to start with what I think, and I'd be willing to bet Lonzo agrees with me, though I do not know this for a fact yet. But the one thing that is the biggest concern for me in this game, and I'm not going to be shaking any branches that haven't been shooketh already in bringing this up, but it has to be brought up. And that is the fact that the Carolina Panther rushing defense must get better. Last week, 217 yards rushing, 5.6 yards per carry, and a rushing touchdown surrendered. That's not good enough, and it's certainly not good enough When you go look at the offensive statistics, because the number one rushing team in the National Football League last week, 238 yards accomplished by Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. We're going to talk passing offense, what we need out of Baker, what we need out of wide receivers, etc. And all of that is important, though, but the Giants were the best rushing team in week one. The Panthers were the second worst rushing defense in week one. And those two numbers added together, if those stats say the same, not going to be good news for Sunday. The rushing attack, starting with Derek Brown and working its way out and back, has to be better on Sunday afternoon. Well, I I think you've got to look at what happened in the second half for the Carolina Panthers last week. And how much the defense stepped up in the second half. They played a much better second half. Uh, they were able to contain the run in the second half. They were able to do things that they should have done in the first half. 
Am I concerned? Yeah, I'm concerned, but not as concerned as I would have been if the Panthers defense would have played the same way the entire game, which they did not because in the second half of the game against the Browns, finally the offense was starting to move the ball and kept the defense off the field some. So if you get some long sustained drives by the offense, which I believe is going to happen in this game, uh, then you keep Saquon off the field. And if you keep Saquon off the field, you get them behind. If the Panthers go down and score some touchdowns, then the Giants have to abandon the run to a certain degree, and then it's no longer that much of a concern. Yeah, no, listen, and, and I do want to I do want to point out that they they certainly got better as the game goes on, but the time of possession in the first half was miserable. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's that's on the offense, right? The offense needs to be able to put together sustained drives. The offense needs to be able to put together clock churning drives. The offense needs to give the defense some time. To and that's all true. I'm not taking away from the validity of those statements, Lonzo. What I am going to say is that, especially early, the defense has the ability to get itself off the field as well. And I know they were getting tired because they were getting churned up, but there were a number of third down situations that Carolina's defense just could not get a stop, just could not get a stop, got gashed. And again, we talked about this back on Monday's pod when we were reacting to the L versus the Browns. You went against maybe the most dynamic running back duo in the National Football League in Chubb and Hunt. And certainly it, it it needs to be reasoned into whatever your conclusion is that that was a factor. There's no doubt about that. But you are also about to go up against the National Football League's best week one running back and Saquon Barkley. And while Barkley may not have the backup in Dontrell Hilliard, and uh, that, or excuse me, no, no, that's the, uh, that's sorry, I got Tennessee on the brain. While Saquon may not have the backup in Matt Breda, uh, Canarius Tony is still available. He didn't really get much last week. And I want to talk about that coming up in a minute because I, I was a little surprised. Everybody was talking about the week one game where Cam Akers disappeared from the Rams offense. I kind of feel the same way about Canarius Tony, and we'll talk about that. But Saquon doesn't have the backup punch that Nick Chubb had when they were able to go with Kareem Hunt, but he also churned up 168. Now, 60 of those, 68 of those, I think, came on one run. So you take that one run off the board and Saquon doesn't cross the century mark. The problem is Saquon has that home run ball potential every time he touches the rock. You know, we asked the question in the last pod, is it time for Panthers fans to start getting concerned about D Brown. And I said, the answer is yes, but this would be a really, really good week for him to quiet that conversation down. If he doesn't have a pass rush, he doesn't have a pass rush. I don't like a top 10 pick for a defensive lineman that doesn't have a pass rush, but if he doesn't have a pass rush, he better be exceptional against the run. And this better be the week that he proves that he is. Well, not only you have to worry about Saquon, you also have to worry about Daniel Jones, who has the ability and sometimes does take off and run. So you, you got to worry about that, too. Going back to the defense and how they did last game, you pointed out third down. Third down was the problem. It absolutely was. Uh, quite a few times they had the Browns down with some major yards to go, and it gave up a big third down play. So, you know, I just want to I want to chalk it up to game one jitters. I mean, our sample size is very small. Uh, we could overreact to what happened last Sunday and say, oh, we're in for a long game. We very well maybe. Or the Panthers come out and play like they did in the second half, maybe even better, and not necessarily stop Saquon Barkley, but keep him from scoring points. I, I what I need. What I need is them to prevent him from being a momentum shift, right? I need them to stop him from hitting the home run ball. I mean, listen, if you can keep Saquon to like a 3.3, 3.5 yards per carry average, it's about as good as you can hope for. And, and, and I don't care what 
ranked rushing defense you have. If you can keep Saquon to an under three points, I mean, I'm talking under 3.5, 3.6 yards per carry day. That's about as good as you can ask for. And in that case, you're forcing other guys to step up and make plays around him. And the Giants certainly have some playmakers, but they are not the Giants of old. And I would much prefer the game to be, although I don't think he is as bad as a lot of people are making him out to be. I would much rather Carolina find a way to put the game on the arm of Danny Dimes than on the legs of Saquon Barkley because Saquon's legs are tree trunks. And I don't want to have to put, I don't have to, to stop Saquon in order to win. I'd rather try to stop Daniel Jones, 17 of 21, 188, two touchdowns and one interception and a one point victory over the Titans last week. But I think that number is impressive. They threw the ball 21 times. They ran the ball 32 times in that game. I want to force the New York Giants to be balanced, right? They're a run-heavy team. I want to force them to be balanced. And if you can force them to be a balanced football team, though, you got a much better chance of winning this game. Absolutely, because one of the bigger questions the last couple of years has been the quarterback. And is he the quarterback of the future for them? So you need to put the pressure on him. The questions wouldn't be out there if they didn't need to be out there. Uh, you know what you get with Saquon. Saquon is a beast, and uh, you got to be able to stop him, contain him, and again, make sure he doesn't score points or get long runs and get them in the red zone. Another problem that that Carolina had last week was field position. They just kept getting it, kept being uh, on their side of the field almost every single play, so they were behind it every time they started out. So there are a lot of things that can be done better. But starting out with containing the run and putting it on Daniel Jones, that's what they have to do. And you know what? That was, I'm sure, the game plan going up against Cleveland, too, uh, where you wanted Brissett to do that, and they weren't able to accomplish it. And that's what makes me nervous, because I agree. It is the exact same tactics, the exact same strategy that you have to employ against the Giants as you did against the Browns. The strategy against the Browns was don't let Nick Chubb, don't let Kareem Hunt bust the game. Don't let those guys go off for big runs. Don't let them change the offense. Because when you do, I mean, you talk about field position, and I agree with you, Carolina was starting on the short field more often than they weren't with their backs against the wall. That is a direct result of Cleveland being able to sustain drives, reeling off five, six yards a run, pushing the ball into Carolina territory. So by the time you did create the occasional fourth down and they were punting, they were punting from midfield. They were punting from the, the, the 45 going in and you had your back against the wall the entire game because of it. That's the result of a defense just getting worked at the line of scrimmage, and, and and again, if that was the same situation here, if we end up in the same spot where Saquon Barkley is consistently driving the Giants out to midfield, across midfield, into Panthers territory, and that's where your third down stops are coming, then yeah, you are going to be not only asking Baker and the gang to give you longer and sustained drives, but you're going to have them pinned up against the end zone to start these drives, which of course takes away from the play sheet. It takes away from the plays that are available to you in that spot. And it, it, it kind of makes the offense go from what should be a multi-dimensional offense to an offense that's just got to got a power run out of it. And we are right now, I'm sorry to say, and this may change later in the year, we're just not a power run team. We haven't been a power run team in a couple of years. Uh, I, I said all off season, I said on the first few episodes of this pod preseason that I would like to see Chuba Hubbard be more involved in a power run game, but the offensive line's not good enough to be a power run team right now. We need to get there because they're built to be a power run offensive line. They are still gelling. They're still forming. If we find ourselves with our back against the wall more often than we don't, this could be a long day. I just, uh, you know, I think emotion ruled a lot of last week because of everything that was behind uh, the fact that 
that Baker was playing his old team. I think nerves got the best of the entire team. You're not going to have that pressure. It's not going to matter this week the way it did last week. This week is more of just a game than last week was. Let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a, this may shock some of you. So sit down before I say it. I have never played in the National Football League before. Uh, I have co-hosted with NFL players. I have interviewed NFL players. I have spoken on and off the record with NFL players in the past. And I've asked them the concept about the jitters. I've asked them the concept about the nerves. Do NFL players get nerves on week one or playoff games or Super Bowls? The way that we talk about, you know, high school guys and college guys. And I've had a lot of NFL players say, yeah, they do. I mean, it doesn't matter how many years in the league. Week one every year is special. There's something special about it because it's been a minute since you've done it. Uh, You got new guys around you. Even if you've got the same head coach and coordinator, there are going to be new wrinkles in the book that you've been putting in. And this is the first time that you're going to be called on to get out there and execute to get it done. You know, first game jitters, I I 100% believe are real. And I'm kind of with you optimistically, though, that that is what happened in week one, that it, it, it just was a bunch of new guys uh, trying to get in, trying to find the chemistry, a offensive coordinator and a head coach that know that if they're going to save the job, this is the game that, that, that they need to get started off on the right foot. I have no doubt that they had heard over and over and over and over that this game was being labeled by fans, at least as a must win football game. If we can chalk what happened in week one up to first game jitters, that would be spectacular, but they better be gone. This better be a team that comes out with confidence, especially, and I know we're spending a lot of time in this first segment talking defense, especially defensively. They better come out, fly around, hit some folks early Lonzo and create a situation where they're winning the battle of field position early in this game. You know, I agree, but I still say that that was basically the Baker Bowl. I, I, you'd have to be under a rock to not hear about, you know, Baker returning to the team that did him wrong and all that kind of stuff. This is your guy. You're trying to help your guy out and you get uh, some jitters, but you also get an overabundance of adrenaline. Have you ever had too much adrenaline? When you get too much adrenaline, you need a release and it causes you to make some mistakes. This game against the Giants is more so the first game than the last game was because there's no emotion behind it other than go out, do your job, and win the game. Yeah, and and certainly I think the 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 pressure is on. I, I, I can't imagine that these guys don't understand that this has the feeling uh, of a must-win football game, right? Like, they know. They get it. If if this team is to be, and we have talked about it, there are a lot of talking heads that have picked Carolina as a dark horse playoff team. And what that tells me is that they have got the talent on the roster to make themselves into a playoff team. And you can see it if you look at it. I think there are a lot of folks who just dismissed Carolina, right? They were bad last year. They've got Matt Rule still. They're going to be bad this year. It's easy to dismiss them on paper without taking a deeper look. On paper, this team's got the talent and the ability to get out there and be a playoff football team. But this game, if they want to accomplish that feat, becomes must win because down the road, the schedule's not getting easier. The schedule's not getting easier. You start divisional play next weekend with the Saints coming to town. New Orleans is 1-0. Granted, it was over a bad Falcons team. After the Saints, you've got the Cardinals, a decent team. The 49ers, we'll see if they're better. Trey Lance did not look great and won. Then you got the Rams, a Super Bowl favorite. Then the Bucks, a Super Bowl favorite. Then you got a uh, yeah, down week, Halloween weekend against the Falcons. Then you got the Bengals. The Ravens are coming up. The Broncos are coming up. Uh, the next probably seven weeks of the season don't line up well for you. You need to take every win you can get to come out of the gate. This week and next week against New Orleans, Again, I can't say this is a must-win game. This is a must-win game. 
has to be. And the defense has to know that. And they got to play like it. They've got to pin the ears back. They've got to bear the teeth. They've got to go try to knock Danny dimes into the ground. By the way, Tennessee five sacks against Daniel Jones last week. He is get toable, but the pass rush must improve. And the rushing defense needs to limit Saquon to give the, to, to, to force the giants into throwing the ball so that the pass defense can go pick up a few sacks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we talk defense, ladies and gentlemen. Let us talk a little bit about the offense. What do we see offensively this week? And I will start at the top of the conversation anytime you're talking offense, Lonzo, because this is a complaint that you and I both brought up last weekend. Uh, and it was the, the 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 variance, the variability in play calling from Ben McAdoo and from Matt Rule. Neither one of us was necessarily thrilled about it. Don't get me wrong. They absolutely showed a little bit of versatility, the willingness to turn Baker loose at certain spots. But I think it almost got to the point. And obviously, once you're starting to play catch up, as we were going into the fourth quarter, it kind of limits what you can do. What I would love to see in this game, though, is a little bit more steady dose of the run game. Uh, Ride Shuba Hubbard a little bit more. Ride Christian McCaffrey. Again, that's not to say that I need him getting a thousand touches in this game, but I would like to see him get uh, probably closer to 18, 19, uh, maybe 12 of those on the ground. But I, 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 whatever it comes down to, I do need to see though the offensive play calling be a little bit more creative and be a little bit more consistent to open up the field and not allow uh, guys to tee off on Baker like we saw Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett do last week. Fortunately, the Giants don't have a, a, a pass rush that seems to, on the edges anyway, really give you the amount of pressure that the Browns do. Uh, Aziz Oljari is their defensive end on the left side. And they're going to be throwing Leonard Williams on the right side. They do run a 3-4. They do have Tay Crowder back there, who had a really good opening weekend. Kayvon Thibodeau's back there. He can get to the uh, get back to the quarterback as well. But they don't have the ability to get to the quarterback that matches up like the Browns do. Take advantage of that. Continue to, to, to use the run to set up the pass and not the other way around. What do you want to see out of the play calling this week? All right, so so a couple I've watched. Uh, I just actually before we went uh, started recording this podcast, I watched a Ben McAdoo press conference, and of course, questions were being asked of him the same kind that were being asked of Coach Rule about were they going to get uh, Christian McCaffrey more uh, touches, and what they both said is because of fumbled snaps and things like that, and those all dictated why they didn't get him the kind of snaps they wanted to. Um, and as far as you just mentioned about, about the, uh, the pass rush for, for the Giants, the, the, all the coaches were pleased with the center and guard play for the Carolina Panthers. So if you think about it, if you don't have any edge rushers and the center and the guards are already playing really well, then Baker's going to have some time. And, you and I have talked on on the Rob Brown show a lot about load management, and mostly it has to do with, with basketball. But we are seeing something that I think will become a major trend, and that is that Christian McCaffrey now has Wednesdays off too. I am curious about your opinion about this. Do you think extra rest for Christian McCaffrey 
is a, a good thing because I, I think a lot of it has to do uh, – I think he's a guy who needs more reps, not more rest. And, of course, they're NFL coaches. They know better than, than, than we do. But so do you think this is going to benefit Christian McCaffrey more because he has more time to heal up? And why does he need any time this week? But uh, since he didn't get to uh, touch the ball enough, do you think it's going to be beneficial down the road letting him have an extra day off every week? Uh, I mean, listen, I know it's week one. Putting tread on tires even if it's just a short trip up to the gas station, wears down tires. And I, I hate to use the metaphor. I dislike using metaphors in football that compare players to equipment because they're human beings and it just makes me uncomfortable. But it's suitable sometimes. And the reality here is that Christian McCaffrey is on a pitch count. You don't have to love it. You don't even have to like it but you do have to accept it. He's on a pitch count. You can't put tread on those tires unnecessarily. McCaffrey knows how to run the offense. McCaffrey's very good at running the offense. The only thing this does hurt is a little bit of the chemistry and that it is one less day for him and Baker to get on the same page, for him and the offensive line to get on the same page, to perfect the timing of any gadget plays that Carolina may be trying to throw into the mix as the, uh, as the year goes on. But if you ask me what's more important, that McCaffrey has the timing of gadget plays down that we're going to break out once, maybe twice every two weeks, that McCaffrey has improved chemistry with Baker Mayfield, which he's already showed is kind of there, or that we're basically pushing the pitch count week by week. I've told you how many times that I don't want to see McCaffrey touching the ball more than 20 times in any game. I got a pitch count that I want him on during practice week too. I, I don't want to, even if it's, I mean, even if it's non-contact practice, every time that he runs, there's an opportunity for something to go wrong. That's not me saying, put him in bubble rack and shelve him until the playoffs. You got to use the guy. You can't go to the playoffs without him, but I got no problem with giving him a day off. Uh, I, I I think if there's one guy in the offense that doesn't need the extra reps, it's the guy wearing 22. All right. So you talked about chemistry and I'm not trying to sow discord or anything, but in our job or, or anyone who's listening, your job, if a guy gets a day off and you don't, eventually does that become a problem for you? Or do you look at that guy and realize this, this guy is so important that he needs that day off. If you start to lose a bunch and you think that it would benefit more if he practiced more, could that eventually be a problem as far as morale goes and as far as chemistry goes with the whole team? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I, I think all of us have been in jobs. I mean, listen, not to, not to get us in any trouble, but at our radio cluster here in Greenville, Let's be real. There are broadcasters, especially those that are tenured, that are seasoned, that have been around for the long for the long haul. There are broadcasters that are allowed to get away with more. They have more time off. They make more money. They have more vacation days. They have a little bit more freedom about what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do in on and around the studio, in on and around the air. That's just how life works. Those who produce... Those who are naturally talented, those who put up numbers, have freedom, have leniency that the regulars don't, that the normies don't. Christian McCaffrey is an exceptionally talented, exceptionally special player, a guy that's been here for a while. And again, more important than all of that is just keeping him healthy, right? As goes McCaffrey, go the Cats. If, if Christian McCaffrey's out for a length of time, Carolina's going to be bad. We literally saw it last year. Hot out of the gate. Everybody started turning their heads to Charlotte going, uh-oh, maybe this team's found another gear. McCaffrey goes down, and the back half of the season is the wash, and now we are the longest losing streak active in the National Football League right now. Like, I understand it. I get it. 
but no, I'm not, I'm not wearing out McCaffrey because a couple of backup offensive guards might get upset that he gets a little bit of extra time. If that's what keeps the wheels on, keep the freaking wheels on. That's all it comes down to. All right. I, you know, I get I get all that. And, and and I agree with that mostly, but I've also heard it said, and maybe with some of the NFL guys you've talked to, maybe they've said the same thing, that your body has to get used to the hits. Uh, you have to develop calluses, things like that. You've got to get used to the impact and taking a day off. Does that make you less ready when you're out on the field? Yeah. I, again, like, by the way, I don't want Christian McCaffrey to get hurt. I don't. I want him to touch the ball more, and I think he can handle it. If we were talking about a regular player, yes. We're not. We're not talking about a regular player. We're talking about a special player. We are talking about the number two fantasy football player in the National Football League uh, behind John Taylor. We're not talking about a regular player. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. But no, if 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 you can keep some tread on that tire, you keep tread on that tire – uh, I understand the concept of chemistry. I understand the concept of timing. If there's one guy on the team that I trust has the chemistry and the timing down, it is number 22. By the way, Christian, if you're listening to this, and you should, uh, if you're listening to this, dude, I, I got your back. I'm not trying to get you hurt. I just, <laughs> I, I think, I think you got a better shot at not getting hurt by getting more reps. That's all. All right. So we talked about play calling. We've talked about 22. Let's talk about number six. Let's talk about bake. Um, you know, I, I wonder how much of, and I think it's fair to ask the question. I wonder how much of last week in the first half, how much of that performance was because of not necessarily the jitters, but was the result of having the Browns across from him and maybe trying to do too much. Uh, listen, even though he did have a better back half of the game, Baker Mayfield was 16 of 27, 235, one touchdown and one pick, an 84 overall rating on the day. I mean, he completed 16 passes, right? Like, I, I, if you were a team that had gone out there and had, as the Giants did, you know, 35, 36 carries because the run game was working, then I'd understand 16 carries. Carolina rushed the ball 19 times. Now, again, those numbers are skewed because a lot of that came in the fourth quarter playing from behind, playing to, trying to play catch up here. But uh, I am hoping that there's a little bit of settle down. I saw a lot of people last weekend, Lonzo, who through the first half were hitting the world with, See, I told you Baker was bad. And in the fourth quarter went, oh, there's the guy. He's turned it around. That's the one we wanted. I'm hoping that he's got those jitters out of the way. I'm hoping that if there was any extra aggression directed at the Browns, that he's worked it out because I need, I want swaggy bake. I want swag out of bake. I want him kind of having fun and being cocky and, 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 and throwing up the guns. I want all of that but I also need a consistent level-headed quarterback that's going to hit the routes when they're run. All right, so I'm not normally relationship cliche guy, but uh, since I don't think we've done that yet, so I'm going to jump into this <laughs> before you do. So if you, if, you, if you have an ex you had history with, guys that were together a long time, then you have to go, you're going to a party, and you look over, and there they are. You knew they were going to be there. But you have to go to this party. Let's say it's a, a company function and you're required to be there. You know they're there. You know you got to deal with them. You know that you know how to deal with them. But then when you get there, that emotion wells up. It, some of it's anger. Some of it's, you know, uh, feeling like you were mistreated, all that kind of thing. And all those mixed emotions well up in you and you react in a way that you hadn't planned on reacting. And then after you're there for a while, suddenly you're like, you know what? I got this. I got this. And then you get into your groove. You work in the crowd. You're doing what you normally do. And that's what I saw from Baker. I think there were nerves. I think there were emotions, raw emotions, some anger, some hurt that caused him to go, oops, that was 
that was the center hiking the ball. I just dropped the ball, some things like that. But then when it when it counted and when you needed Baker to get in there and lead the team back, that's exactly what he did. And if it weren't for a couple calls, we'd be talking about Carolina being 1-0 instead of 0-1. Yeah, you know what? I, I actually really like that analogy. I really like that analogy out of you. Good job on the relationship analogy. That's usually my job, but you pulled it off a plus effort because I get it. I've been there. We, I think a lot of us have been in that situation where, you know, you, 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 you see the X and you're just like, you thought you were cool. And then all of a sudden emotion bubbles up and we are emotional beings. And I think if I ask you to name the most emotional quarterbacks in the national football league, you'd be lying to yourself to say Baker Mayfield doesn't appear somewhere up towards the top of that list. So I actually think that is a, a, a really good analogy. We're going to find out if it's accurate, though, because this week, Baker's at a whole different party with a whole new load of partners to try and impress and no X's around. So we will see if that side of the ball looks a little bit better. All right, I want to bring up a couple of things. And so you said you were watching the, the McAdoo press conference earlier, and I want to talk about that here in a minute. But uh, I just want to say real quick, I'm surprised I like that dude. I really I, lo- I love how he handled the press conference. I never I didn't pay attention to him when he was with the Giants, but watching how he handled the press conference was it was really good. And he's a he's he's a large man like myself. And that, that just, you know, immediately I have some kinship. I uh, I will tell you, I do find myself, I do find myself rooting for the big fellas to succeed in the coaching ranks, you know? Like I'm a big Andy Reid guy, big Bruce Arians guy. I find myself uh, rooting for the linemen who turn into coaches. Uh, Matt Rule in his press conference earlier this week, I, I, I think kind of brought up something interesting. Uh, he was talking about the offense and the defense late in the game, which in fairness, so were we all because that's when they were at their best and pointed out that in the last 35 minutes of the football game, the Panthers averaged 7.7 yards per play. And if you look at the NFL and you only consider the last 35 minutes of the football game, the Panthers actually would have had the third most efficient offense in the NFL if you only count the last 35 minutes of the football game. Now, Matt Rule has taken a lot of crap for that comment from fan bases uh, of other NFL teams, and and I get why, right? I get why. If, if you get your butt whooped for 15 of 20 minutes, but you talked about how you looked okay in the last five, yeah, it's it's not great. But... I think the point that Matt Rule was trying to make here was the fact that as the game went on, they got better. As the game went on, they they markedly, empirically, numerically on the stat sheet got better. Phil Snow, defensive coordinator, in his press conference, which I watched a little of, said something I found very interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering if other Panthers fans feel the same way. And if you do, hit us up on social media at the Rob Brown Show at Lonzo on Ward and let us know. Phil Snow said, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the quote in front of me, but something to the tune, Lonzo, of I felt, despite the loss, I felt different about this loss. I felt different after this loss than I have felt about years, uh, about losses in years past, effectively saying something to the tune of. In past years, we lose, and I had a little like, all right, here we go again. This is just us. And in this game, there was a little bit more, I'm upset because we should have won, and I think we're okay. Like, there's a there's a quiet confidence in this loss out of Phil Snow. Between those two metrics, you know, I, I, I try to tell people, don't get caught up in coach speak because coaches are always selling themselves. That's their job is to make themselves look good in the worst of scenarios. But I kind of do catch a a, a different vibe. I kind of do catch a coaching staff that is going, we got positives. 
And, and, and we're not saying we got positives because our rear ends are on the hot seat and we're trying to keep ourselves safe and secure financially, but we genuinely see positives playing out on the football field. And I think they're right. I, I, I kind of like, I think for a lot of other teams, I would find this kind of cliche and coach speak and I'd, I would dismiss it, but I kind of like Lonzo that these coaches have come out this week and said, there's something different. There's something happening here. And we feel that tide turning. I like it because I think the players can buy into that. Well, first of all, as a fan, you could see that happen. You could absolutely see that happen when, when they finally kicked it in and things started clicking, but they very easily could do what some teams do. They were getting manhandled by the running game. They could have easily said, okay, this game's over. We'll just wait till next week and see what we can fix. But they didn't do that. They fought back into this game and were winning this game with with seconds left on the clock. And we've seen teams years past, including Carolina teams, that would have been, oh well, we ain't winning this. We'll just we'll just pack it up and wait till next week. But they didn't do that. They fought back. They absolutely fought back. Got better everywhere. And suddenly looked like they were ready to play. And, and I get the I get the criticism of the 35 minutes, but if you look at that, he's absolutely right. That was a different team in those 35 minutes. And that's why the coaching staff keeps talking about wanting to build on and can a, a continuation of those 35 minutes into the next game. And that's what you want to see. You don't want to see them take a step back into what they had to deal with at the beginning of the game. And I don't think they will. I don't. And, and I get that. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. We can keep harping on it at least until the next game. They know they won the game. They can't say that the refs cost them the game because that will cost them a lot of money. And so they can't say it. And you can hint at it. You can. I, I, I think we know that's what they're saying. They won that game, and they did, and the refs took it away from them. So I saw some people go back and actually plug the numbers in, right, because – it felt weird. Like Matt Rule saying the back 35 minutes of the game felt like such an arbitrary cutoff point, right? Like why are 35? Like why not just say halftime, right? Halftime. And I think the answer was that Matt Rule was kind of pointing out that it not it didn't take some rousing speech at halftime. It didn't take big time adjustments. It just got it just took some time to settle down, settle in, and execute. In the back 35 minutes of the game, the Panthers did indeed average 7.7 yards per play. You do that for 60 minutes, you're going to win a lot of football games. In the first 25 minutes of the game, they averaged 1.1 yards per play. Think yeah, about a little that. Bit of a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, no. A massive overwhelming difference there. And, you know, I, I want to say... What do you chalk that up to? And I think the answer is it just time. It just took time to get in a rhythm, right? Like this stat when Matt rule brought, and I think this was the goal. I'm, I'm actually giving him credit here because I think this was the goal, but I think Matt rules points in doing this was to kind of point out that while it does feel like in like a, like an arbitrary cutoff point, Oh, 35 minutes in the, like, that's a weird spot. He had a valid point in that. There is a marked spot in the game from this play to this play where the yards per play skyrocketed by 600% production. That's the mark of a team overcoming the jitters. That's the team. That's the mark of a team taking it to the next level, figuring something out, et cetera. And, you know, look, as you pointed out, so, it's a one-point game. It's a one-score game with the lead inside of a couple of minutes left to play. If you took the first 25 and applied the success of the back 35, you won the football game, and you won the football game comfortably. I hate that that happened against the Browns because that was one of those that I had circled in red as a must-win game. But if you can do that back 35 number against the Giants on Sunday, this is a winnable football game. Yeah, and also that productivity could translate into wins against teams that maybe you already had chalked up as, as losses for the Panthers. And they're going to get better 
offensively and and defensively, but especially offensively, because there are a lot of weapons that they didn't get to use because they had so many four and outs early on, or three and outs rather. They had so many of those that and and on all the pressing uh, press conferences, the coaches are talking about, well, this guy didn't play because we didn't have enough offensive plays. If we did, we would have had them in there. Uh, one person we're going to get to see more this week for sure is Shai Smith uh, because he's going to get to return, uh, I believe it's punts. Uh, I will tell you, like, cool. So we're going we're gonna to get him, get to see him touch the ball and, uh, and maybe get to see him be out there a little bit more. I want to see him in the offense. Like, great, he's on special teams, and he's got the speed to potentially be a difference maker, a kick return, and that's fantastic. And I hope we're calling his name a bunch when we do our reaction pod, which drops on Monday. But I want to see him in the offense. I want to be. I want to see him get involved in the receiving game a little bit more. He had one catch for 12 yards last week. I want to see that number go up. Now, in fairness, the only guy uh, that, that, that had more than three catches, sorry, two guys, Robbie Anderson had five, McCaffrey had four, DJ had three. I would love to see Shy's number up there in that four or five range, and that's going to be on Baker. Um, but again, regardless of the way you do it, how you balance this out, the back 35 needs to be the front 25 this time around, no doubt about it. Uh, I do want to bring up and talk a little bit about the opposition for just a minute because we've just got a couple of minutes left with you guys uh, and, and talk a little bit about the New York football giants in week number two, um, Daniel Jones as starting quarterback. We mentioned it back in the first segment. Daniel Jones is a, I hate saying this. He's Eli Manning volume two. He's like a game manager that does have the ability to take over a game. If you allow him to, but that's actually not the weapon I'm concerned about. The weapon I am concerned about this week, and I haven't seen any updates. So as far as I know, Kadarius Tony is healthy. Uh, he does. Sorry, scratch that. He was actually added, and this is interesting, though. I did not catch this until uh, earlier today. This was not listed as of a couple of hours ago by any of the big sites. Kadarius Tony was added to the Giants' practice report earlier today as a limited participant on account of a hamstring injury. I don't know if that had anything to do with why Kadarius Tony last week wasn't really involved in the offense. He had one rush for just two yards, no receptions in that game. I mean, we were all caught up on Cam Akers disappearing for the Rams. I couldn't, I was like, where the hell is Kadarius Tony? I was big time concerned. If he is truly limited with a hamstring injury to me, that kind of means we can tee off. We can pin the ears back and go get them because there's not really uh, that second playmaker back there that allows them to open up the field if we start getting pressure on Daniel Jones. So I kind of want to see like a lot of blitzes dialed up on Sunday if Kadarius Tony is unavailable or even limited. Well, you pointed out that Daniel Jones got sacked, what would you say, four or five times last, five last times. week? Yeah, five times. So obviously either the line ain't blocking good or he's holding the ball too long. So if he does it again this week, Panther's going to get back there and uh, make him see the sky a little. Here is hoping, kids. Here is hoping because that would be the game changer. It really would. Um, you know, uh, listen, the Giants are a football team that was last week I was going to say balance. They were a run team. They leaned to the run. Uh, they threw the ball 21 times. They ran it 32. A lot of that did come to the fact that Saquon Barkley was just in fuego, averaging over 9.1 yards per carry. They are going to run it at us again and again and again. And they are going to challenge us. If you can't stop the run, we are going to beat you. And a lot of that is going to play into, though, once again, the time of possession battle in this game. This one, real simple to me. There's a couple of markers that indicate success. One of those, without a doubt, Lonzo, is going to be the time of possession clock. We win the time of possession clock. We probably win this game because it means we were controlling the rushing attack. If we have the same situation last week that we did, 
where in the first 30, they have the ball 24 minutes. We're in a world of hurt. Unless they have the the ball that much because Carolina comes out as a quick strike offense and they're trying to catch up the only way they know how. Fair enough. Just trying to trying to keep it positive. I respect that. I respect that. All right, Zoe, prediction on this game. Give me your final score. All right. I am going to go Panthers win this game 24 to 14. 24 14. I actually like that pick quite a bit. You're 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 in my wheelhouse here. I do think that it is going to be a lower scoring game, but I do think that the Giants are going to be in the hip pocket. I am going uh, Carolina wins this game 24-21. I think you're going to, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Giants can run the ball. That's just a fact. They're just a good running team. I think we're going to see the offense open up a little bit and a comfortable Baker Mayfield finds the back of the end zone for the Panthers at least a couple of times. Uh, I, I think after the game, that he had last week. I think he got a really, really good chance for Robbie Anderson to pop one open, but I think you're going to get a surprise touchdown from one of the other wide receivers. You're going to get a surprise touchdown from Shai Smith, Tommy Tremble. One of these guys are going to have a surprise touchdown because they're going to start keying off on the names. And when they do, when they do, one surprise dark horse touchdown, and that is ultimately going to be the difference. Uh, Follow us on social media. At the Rob Brown Show, at Lonzo on Word, and do us a favor. If you're enjoying the podcast, please pass it on to your Carolina Panthers friends and family. Tell them about the views from Men Street Podcast. Tell them that they can pick it up where major podcasts are found. Like and subscribe. Make sure you spread the words. On Lonzo, final words for the people. Well, my final words are: look for no fumbled snaps, and that's going to lead to victory. Keep pounding. Mine, get to the quarterback. Stop the run. That's it. You do that, you win. You do that, you win. It's real simple. We will be back on Monday afternoon with our reaction pod as we get set for Giants-Panthers. We will see you back here on Monday to do it all over again. For Lonzo, my name is Rob Brown. Thank you for listening to the Views from Mint Street Podcast. We'll see you Monday. Keep pounding, baby!